I title it Winning First Time Visitors. Winning First Time Visitors. The reason uh, we put together this teaching was because in my travels uh, uh, around the country to numerous churches, many times, not all the time, but many times, I would be told uh, when I would go to a church, uh, Brother Bell, we have a lot of visitors in our church. Brother Bell, a lot of visitors, but a lot of them don't come back. And when you meet our pastor, you will understand why. I don't know how many times I was told this. And, uh, but you know, it is a proven fact that the first person you meet in a new location, that is the person that influences you the most if you return or not. And so I tell that to people when they, when they come up to me and, and they, you know, they, Brother Bell, we have a lot of visitors. A lot of visitors, Brother Bell. I mean, we do not lie for visitors, Brother Bell, but a lot of them, Brother Bell, a lot of them don't come back. And when you meet our pastor, you'll understand why. You know, they say, well, you know, if he didn't act the way he acted or if he didn't, you know, preach the way he preached or, you know, if he didn't uh, 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 dress the way he dressed, you know, more, more people would come back. And I tell them, listen, dear brother and sister, what you just said is not true. It is a proven fact that the first person you meet in a new location, that is the person that influences you the most. I tell them, I said, I tell you what, let's go back out into your parking lot. Let's get out of your visitor's car. Let's come into your church. Go everywhere a visitor might go. Meet everyone they might meet. Talk to everybody they might talk to before they ever see, ever hear the pastor of your church. And we'll probably come up with 30 or 40 reasons why they didn't come back to your church. <laughs> and have names for each one of them. Amen? Now, let me share with you that this is going to be a very uplifting teaching, okay? I know it does sound a little, a little negative right now, but uh, I want to show to you tonight, again, how valuable and how important you are to your local church and how much we need you. The attitude in a lot of churches is everything, you know, uh, rests upon our pastor's shoulders. He's the one that makes it, or she's the one that makes it or breaks it here uh, in the church. And that's not true, people. We make it or break it. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in this together. We make it or break it. Pastor does not make it or break it. We are in this together. We are in this together. You, God did not bring you to, your, to this church just to hold down these pews, smile at the pastor, give him all your money, and go home. But you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Now look at your other neighbor and say, preach on, Brother Bell. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Let's learn tonight on how to, how to keep our visitors. I, I believe when God uh, has someone visit a church, I believe he's having them visit for a purpose. I believe that's where he wants them to go. I don't think a person has to visit a church, you know, uh, five or six times to really determine if they really want to go to that church. I believe God is leading them to go to that church. And that's where they, they need to attend. It says here in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brother... How many brethren do I have tonight here? Sister and two. Okay, it's almost everybody. It says, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that ye, how many ye do I have tonight? 
Well, there's a few more than the brethren. Okay. He says that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Bunny Bell translation here. It is not a hard thing to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I believe this is what he's saying here. It's not hard, people. It's not hard to be a servant for the Lord. It's not hard to, to be holy and acceptable unto God. But, you know, I run across so many people. So many Christians say, well, no, brother, you know, it's hard, brother Bell. Brother, it's so hard to, to, to get involved in the church, brother. It's so hard to live uprightly. Brother, it's so hard to be acceptable unto God, brother. You, you just don't know what I got to go through, brother. It's so hard. It's so hard. Well, he tells us in the next verse why it's hard on some of you. He says, be not conformed to this world. He says, the reason it's hard on some of you is because you're conforming back to the world. Or put it this way, you're falling back into your old ways. Or let's put it this way, uh, remember when you was a Christian? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, is he talking about you right now? <laughs> remember when we got saved? Remember how things, how some things just changed overnight? Remember how, you know, the way we dress, you know, changed, you know, the way we did our hair changed. Certain words that came out of our mouth, we wouldn't let them come out of our mouth no more. You know, certain people we hung around with, we wouldn't hang around with them no more. You know, certain places we used to go, we wouldn't go there no more. Are you falling back into your old ways? He says, be not conformed to this world. You know, the Bible says that, uh, that that's the darkness and we're the light. You know, there should be a difference between darkness and light. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, people, we're supposed to transform. We're not supposed to conform to the world. We're supposed to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. And praise the Lord, we have pastors today in our local churches that are renewing our minds with the uncompromising Word of God. Can I have one? Praise the Lord. You know, years ago, years ago, it was hard to find a church. You know, where they taught you the uh, out of the Bible, where they taught you the uncompromising Word of God. But today, today we have churches throughout our nation where pastors are standing up and preaching and teaching the uncompromising Word of God. And what are they doing? They are renewing our minds. Why? So that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. You know, I, I tell people 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could sit in church and, uh, and use what I call uh, the dumb look on your pastor and get away with it, you know. <laughs> but today you can't use that look in our churches. Why? Because again, we have pastors that are preaching and teaching the uncompromising word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, the dumb look just don't work no more. <laughs> Some of you have been still trying to use that in church and it don't work no more. It did. It might have worked 15, 20 years ago, but it doesn't work today. The dumb look just doesn't work today. Because, again, we have pastors uh, that are renewing our minds with the Word of God. But it's time that we stand up and prove. It's time that we stand up and start moving, start proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Why? Because we're in this together. Tell your neighbor that again. We're in this together. 
He says, For I say through the grace given unto me and to every man that is among you. Now, there it is. We're in it together. Listen to me. God does not have a little elite group that's supposed to do everything in the church. God does not come to a church, to a congregation, and says, okay, I'm going to pick this small group here, and they shall be the ones that my hand shall be upon. They shall be the ones that will do all the work. They shall be the ones that will work in the nursery Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every week of the year, you know. No, 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 no. Again, each and every one of us have a part. But you know, 13 years ago, when I started traveling and teaching on the Ministry of Helps, statistics read that only 5 to 8% of the congregations, congregations were, were actively involved in their churches. And this was so true. I don't know how many times, you know, I, I went to a church and, and only 5 or 8% of the people showed up. Pastor would say, I don't know where everybody's at, Brother Bell. Just, just two weeks ago, we had a meeting and, and this place was packed out. He says, I don't know where everybody's at. And I said, well, what, what was your meeting on two weeks ago, Pastor? <laughs> oh, man, Brother Bell, we learned how to raise the dead. You know, I said, well, uh, that, you know, a lot of people like that. But when you're going to tell them you're going to help them to learn how to be servants, <laughs> a lot of them say, well, he must not be talking to me. <laughs> must be talking to Fred and Larry and Sue and Mary. They're the ones that are, you know, over here all the time. They, they're the ones that love to change dirty diapers. But you know, I'm going to churches today where 50, 60, 75, 80% of the congregations are actively involved in some area of ministry. I'll never forget the first time I called a pastor and he told me that 75% of his congregation, and he had a congregation of about 600, and he said that 75% of his congregation was actively involved, you know, in the church in some area of ministry. And I kind of, I guess I kind of chuckled or I, I, I responded in some way and he heard me over the phone. He says, oh no, Brother Bell, this is true. I'm telling you truth. This is no faith confession. Brother Bell, this is true. He says, we are excited about this seminar that we're going to have. When you come, and this place will be full, Brother Bell, it'll be full. You just count on it. We're excited about serving God here in our church. He says, and on top of that, he says, I've got it here on paper. I'll show it to you when you get here. Seventy-five percent of my congregation is actively involved in some area of ministry. Well, I went there. The place was full. The place was full. Man, we had church. Those people wanted to be servants of God. And now I'm going to churches today that where you cannot become a member in the church until you sign up for a ministry in the church. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I like that. You cannot become a member in the church until you sign up for a ministry in the church. Why? Listen to this. God is not in the business of building an audience. He's in the business of building an army. God is in the business of building an army. He's not in the business of building an audience. Let's go on. He says, For I say through the grace given unto me and to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now this is where a lot of us get in trouble. We start thinking more highly than we ought to think. You know, I've seen people, you know, they, Oh, if I just had a ministry like that. Did you ever notice people are looking up when they make that statement? They're thinking more highly than they ought to think. If you start thinking of the, of the things of, uh, of ministry and you catch yourself looking up, it's possibly you're thinking more highly than you ought to think. Oh, if I could just get on staff. 
Oh, if I could just be, be used in the gifts like that. Listen, if God's asked you to be an usher, hallelujah, you're an usher. If he's asked you to be a nursery worker, glory to God, you're a nursery worker. If he's asked you to clean your church, praise the Lord, you're cleaning your church. If he's asked you to work in the television ministry, hallelujah, you're working in the television ministry. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly, according as God, not what your best friend thinks. Look at your neighbor and say, are you listening? <laughs> but to think soberly, according as God has dealt, now here it is again, to every man, the measure of faith. I believe that God's hand is upon each and every one of you that are here tonight. I believe, all of you that are watching on video, that God's hand is upon you. It's not an accident that you're here at this church. God has a reason. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life here in the church. But again, as I said earlier, in the service, in my travels around the country, and, and you would be amazed how many times I've been told this. I would go into a church and, and people would come up and say, you know, Brother Bell, we have a lot of visitors. A lot of visitors, Brother Bell, but a lot of them don't come back. And when you meet our pastor, Brother Bell, you'll understand why. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll see why, you know. And I tell them, I said, listen, what you just said is not true. It is a proven fact that the first person you meet in a new location, that is the person that influences you the most. Let's go back out into your parking lot. Let's get out of your visitor's car. Let's come into your church. Go everywhere a visitor might go. Talk to everybody they might talk to. Meet everybody they might meet before they ever see, ever hear the pastor of your church. And we will probably come up with 30 or 40 reasons why they might have not come back to your church. Now turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 9. I want to show you a first time visitor in the Bible. A first-time visitor in the Bible. And we're going to look at some things that affected this first-time visitor. And I believe that we can relate it today to our local churches. First, Second Chronicles chapter 9. That's right after First Chronicles. Or like one preacher said one night, he says, you know, just go to where the pages are stuck together. <laughs> I tried it, and lo and behold, it was there. It was there. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Pastor Wayne, <laughs> she came to prove Pastor Wayne with hard questions at Longmont, Colorado, with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. This lady was loaded. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart, and Solomon told her all her questions, and there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen... Now, I want to stop right there for a moment. I want us to key in on that little word, seen. S-E-E-N. Sight. Now, before I continue, though, let me, let me clarify this one thing. I realize that all of us that are present here tonight... All of you that are watching this video, that we, we are spirit people. We, we are not moved by what we see, by what we hear, <laughs> by what we feel or, or, or smell or touch. 
But you know, I've always been this way. I've always said, you know, if we're not supposed to use them, then why did God give them to us? You know, I thank God my nose was working when I picked up that glass of sour milk. And if my nose wasn't working, I thank God my tongue was working. Because if my nose wasn't working and my tongue wasn't working, <laughs> my stomach will work. <laughs> and we'll bring it up and start all over again. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get across is that there are some people that are moved by what they see. And the majority of the time, it is our first-time visitors that are moved by what they see. Okay, so what I want us to do is I want us to take notice of what the Queen of Sheba in her first visit, this is her first visit with Solomon, I want us to take note of what she is going to notice. Okay, let's go on. Number one, it says that when the Queen of Sheba had seen, number one, the wisdom of Solomon, do you know you can see wisdom? You know, the way things function, the way things flow, the way things are put together. You know, that's wisdom. I mean, you, you, you can look at something and tell if somebody's got wisdom or not by the way they use it or how it's being used. How they use it. She's seen the wisdom of Solomon. Number two, the house that he had built. Ooh, that's interesting. She must have been an architect. Why, why would a woman notice uh, the building? Maybe the way the building's furnished. Let me, let me throw in here a little nugget. Uh, a pastor friend shared, with, shared this with me, and after he shared it with me, uh, uh, in my travels after that, I, I kept seeing this and, and seeing that it was, was very true what he was saying. He says, you know, buddy, 85% of most congregations are female. He says, you know, if it wasn't for women, we wouldn't have a lot of churches today. That was your cue, ladies. Thank you. And he says, but you know, the majority of churches, their sanctuaries, their buildings, have a very masculine look. And that's why we have some of the friction that we have sometimes in some churches. Because you have the ladies that, you know, 85% of your congregation, 85% of the people that come to a service are female. And, you know, and you ladies, you like things that look nice, right? You like things that are pretty. You like flowers, don't you? You like green plants, don't you? You know, you like uh, 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 mauves and teals and, you know, and things that go together, right? You know, us men, you know... You know, just throw a piece of wood up there and let's preach. <laughs> but that's why we have some of the friction that we have in some churches. I, I've been to churches. I've been to churches that, that had such a masculine, cold look to them and feel to them that even when I walked in, I kind of, oh, man, boy. And it's kind of like I got to kind of really, really, you know, plow through this, you know. It's really cold in there. I thought, man, if they just if they just maybe had a few plants up there, you know, a little greenery. If they just had some maybe some bright flowers, you know, could you know, little, uh, bright flowers, you know, a beautiful uh, flower arrangement. You know, it puts a smile on people's faces. You know that when you see something beautiful like that. Oh, that's so pretty. Puts a smile on people's faces. I think, oh, you know, if they just go out, but you can you can almost tell that a man decorated the place. 
You could tell, you know. And so, you know, she noticed the house that he had built. First time visitor. Number three, the meat of his table. She noticed how, how he took care of how he fed the people. Gave him good food. I like to go to a church where they, where they teach the Word of God. How about you? I just don't want to hear stories. I don't want to learn history. I want the meat of the Word of God. I don't want the milk. She noticed the meat of his table. And the sitting of his servants. Well, there are people that come to this place. That's not a used car lot out there. Do you know people notice how many people come to a service? But you know, most of all, if there are more empty chairs than there are, are full chairs, they will notice the empty chairs before, before they notice how many people really are sitting there. And that's the one thing they'll talk about the most, how many people were not there. I've gone places, I've gone to churches where they will buy an abundance of chairs. They might be running 100, 200 on Sunday morning. And they, have a, they go out and get a big auditorium and get five, 600 chairs. They put all these empty chairs out. And, and, and you know, and bless their hearts, you know, they're doing it in faith. They're believing God that they will fill these chairs up. Well, they know that, you know, they know that. But when people walk in, they have never been there before. They notice the 500 chairs that are empty. And they think, hmm, I wonder where all those people are at. When I do my videos, uh, uh, I was told, uh, every time I spoke to someone about, about making videos, uh, one thing they always told me, everybody told me this, buddy, do not show empty chairs on your videos. It's hard enough keeping people's attention watching a television. But when they see empty chairs, they start thinking, hmm, must not have been that good. Look at all those people that didn't show up. She noticed how many people were there. The sitting of his service. First time visitor. First time visitor. Really looking this place over, isn't she? Let's go on. She noticed the attendance of his ministers. Now that's interesting. She noticed the sitting of the servants, but she noticed the attendance of the ministers. You know, if anybody should be here tonight in our service, the leadership of the church should be here tonight. Do you know, people never go beyond their leadership. Thank you for those weak amens. But that's true. People never go beyond their leadership. However the leadership is in the church, that's the way the people will be. If the leadership don't show up, then don't expect the congregation to show up because they're just following their leadership. I was asked one day, or I wasn't asked, but a pastor was asked one day, Pastor, why do you so insist that we show up to the seminars? But our leadership don't even show up. And if you want to know who showed up and who didn't, I've got it written down here on a piece of paper. And when this person made this statement, they were not trying to cause a problem in the church. That was a very legit question. A very legit question. See, because leaders, when you become a leader in your church, you also become an example. I'm sorry, it's a package deal. Package deal. You automatically become an example. I had one department head say to me one day, Brother Bell, how can I get faithful and committed people to work in my department? I said, well, you're not going to like my answer, but here it is. You be faithful and you be committed. 
tell you the truth, you have to be more faithful and more committed than the people that are in your department. If you're going to be a leader, a leader is one who is out in front. A leader is not one that walks behind and kind of herds them. Well, I wonder who showed up. Sure hope somebody showed up. <laughs> I just couldn't be there. Now, now y'all relax here at New Creation Church. I, I'm not preaching about you. You know, I, I'm talking about the people. Uh, w w w I'm talking about the people that are watching the video. <laughs> and if your leadership's not there tonight, uh, make sure they watch this because they're being missed. I noticed when I said that here in, in, in this church, y'all was looking around. Are they all here? I had a friend, I'm going to share something with you. I had a friend uh, that did something kind of unusual in his church with his leadership. And, and what I'm about to share with you, I, I'm not saying you have to do this or this is the way uh, this should be done. But it was interesting. I asked him why he did this thing and uh, in his church. And what he did was this. He, would he had ten elders in his church. And he would have his elders sit up on the platform. Now, I asked my friend, my friend, uh, his name is, uh, uh, was Pastor Davy Joe Hissom. He is now in heaven. He was killed in a plane accident uh, a little over, uh, uh, well, several years ago. And uh, I asked him, uh, I asked him, I said, why do you do that? That's kind of unusual in, in, the, in the type of church that you have. And this is what he told me. He says, well, buddy, he says, one of the reasons I did this was before I did this, he says, when church is over, I usually, I usually stand at the back door and I shake hands with everybody. And people would come through, you know, and they would ask questions about the church, and they would ask questions about the different departments in the church, and, and, uh, and I don't know all the answers. I don't know everything that's going on in my own church, you know. And, and so I'd tell them, i said, well, go see Elder so-and-so. He's over that. And they'll say, well, who's Elder so-and-so? And on top of that, where is Elder so-and-so? And he said, and we spend the rest of the morning trying to find Elder so-and-so. Sometimes we wouldn't even find him because he wasn't even there. And he says, so, so I put him up on the platform. And, I, and every now and then I tell the people, now here's the leadership of the church. And I, and I would introduce them every now and then and tell the people. And I tell them, now if you've got a question, you've got a problem, go see the leaders. Let's go see the elders. If they can't take care of it, they'll bring it to me. That's the way Moses pastored. The elders took care of the small matters. They brought all the big matters to him. And then, then he said this to me. He, said, he says, you know, buddy, people never go beyond their leadership. And people need leadership. He says, I leave them up there during the worship and praise service. He says, so people can look over and see how we worship and praise the Lord here in our church. He says, you've seen people. He says, I've watched people that, that would come into my church and they would walk in. They'd come in the aisle, you know, and they're standing there. And before we did this, he says, you know, they stand there and the, and, and the service would start and, and they start looking around. You know, and, and what they're doing, they're looking for leadership. They're looking for leadership. He says, well, I put them up here so, so they would be an example to the people. He says, I leave them up there while I'm preaching. He says, so the people could look over and see that they're with me, they're behind me, and that, they're a that we're a team, and that they're cheering me on. And then he says something really interesting. He says, you know, buddy, there's some leadership. There's some leadership that gets so good at hiding among sheep. They get so good at hiding among sheep that they can skip the service, and the sheep don't even notice they weren't there. You're looking around again. <laughs> Is there a few missing? Is there a few missing? 
he told me, he says, uh, and, and well, you know, to confirm that, I don't know how many times I've been out with a pastor and his wife after the service, and we'd be going somewhere, and he'll you know, go out to, you know, get us a piece of pie, and, you know, and hot tea and a cup of coffee, and, and, and one will say to the other, honey, was, was, uh, was uh, uh, Elder so-and-so here tonight? And the other one say, well, <coughs> well, well, sweetheart, I'll tell you the truth, I, I don't think he was. What well, was brother so-and-so here? Well, his wife was. I heard her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he needed to be here. He was just in my office two weeks ago telling me how he didn't have anybody serving in his department. He didn't know how he was going to get anybody to serve in that department. I mean, he should have been here on the front row. And I, I'd sit there and think, yeah, why wasn't he? Why wasn't he? And I think, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're so good at hiding among the sheep, the shepherd didn't even notice they weren't there. Then my friend told me, he says, you know, buddy, he says, before I did this, before I did this, he says, when I would let one of my leaders go in the church, oh, he said, buddy, I'd have all kinds of problems. Oh, I had people come up to me and ask me question after question why I did this. You know, they wanted to know why. You know, why I let your know, brother so-and-so go. And I tell them, well, you know, he just wasn't hooked up no more. Well, what do you mean he wasn't hooked up? Well, maybe he's going through something you don't know about, Pastor. I mean, you know, he has other things going on. And blah, 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 On and on and on it would go, he said. He said, but buddy. When I did this, when I put him up there in front of the people, he said there was only one question I had to answer. Only one question. And the question was this. They wanted to know why, Pastor. Why did you wait as long as you did? He said that was the only question I had to answer. They said, Pastor, you can tell he didn't want to be here. I mean, during the worship and praise service, he'd just stand there. He wouldn't enter in with the rest of them. You can tell he wasn't hooked up with you no more. All the other ones were up there taking notes and saying amen and cheering you on. And he was just sitting there counting ceiling tiles and winking at people. And tell you the truth, Pastor, I'd had him out there the first time his chair was empty. And if you want to know how many times it's been empty, I've got it written down here in the back of my Bible. <laughs> he said, buddy, he says, he says, that was the only question I had to answer. And he says, you know, buddy, us pastors, we have the mercy gift. He says, you know, we have the mercy gift. We'll, we'll go an extra mile for person. He says, but the people. The people know very little about mercy. <laughs> very little, buddy. He says, all they know is, go for the juggler vein. <laughs> go for the juggler vein. <laughs> she noticed the attendance of his ministers. I believe leadership ought to stand out in a church. If you're going to be a leader, you are going to stand out. One way or the other, you're going to stand out. Okay, let's go on. Notice, first-time visitor. She's really looking this place over, isn't she? Let's go on. And there. Apparel. What's that doing there? Apparel. I wonder what apparel means. <laughs> what, what, what do you think apparel means? Clothing? Oh, she noticed the clothes they had on? Oh, now, wait a minute, Brother Bell. You're getting real personal here. She probably didn't understand that God does not look at the outward. He looks at the inward. And you know what, dear brother and sister? I am fed up to hear, hearing that. Because the only time I hear that 
The majority of the time when I hear that, it comes from uncommitted, undisciplined, sloppy Christians. Everybody say amen for the people watching the video. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Brother Bell, are you a clothesline preacher? No, I'm not a clothesline preacher. But I believe we ought to give God our best. Why? Because he gave his best for us. Amen. Amen. Now, please understand this. I want to make this clear. We're not talking about people who just walk into church and don't know any better. We're looking at people that are involved. Okay? We're looking at people who know better. We look at, we're, looking, we're talking about people who, who know they're saved. Who know that they're, they're, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Who knows they're the righteousness of God in Christ. Who knows that they're a joint heir with Jesus. Who knows that in heaven, that in heaven, Jesus is building them a mansion. And they dress like they're going to a shack. It nerved, didn't it? <laughs> but it's true. Now, please understand. Let me clarify something here. I, I'm not saying you got to wear $500 suits. You got to have $400 dresses, even though you ladies would like to have a few. <laughs> I, I, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. What I, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm talking about an attitude. What's your attitude on Sunday morning? You get up and you know that you're going to come to the house of God and you're going to be serving in the house of God. Well, what's your attitude when you come to the closet and you open up the closet and you look in there and go, oh, well, it's clean. Because <laughs> you know and I know you've got good clothes and you've got gooder clothes and you've got gooder clothes. Excuse my English. Isn't that true? Amen. Which one do you give to God when you're going to serve the Lord? Which one? What's your attitude? You know, I'll throw this in here. Some people say I'm old-fashioned, but in raising my girls, uh, my girls had worldly clothes and they have church clothes. My girls do not wear their worldly clothes to church. This was my way to, to, uh, in raising my children and teaching them that there's a difference between church and the world. The Bible says that's the darkness and we're the light. But a lot of times people don't know when they step from one into the other. Listen to me, people. I know I'm hitting a very touchy subject here, but it's got to be touched. I've talked to people. People told me, said, Brother Bell, when I walked into that one church down there, I couldn't tell that the people that were in that church were any different than the people I've been out with on the streets. Some people say, well, you got to dress like them. You got you to gotta smell like them. You got to talk like them if you're going to win them. And I said, yeah, and that's why you're not winning them. <laughs> you dress like them and you smell like them. And you say you've got something better. Look at your neighbor and say, preach on, Brother Bell. <laughs> but I sure wish you'd get off of this, Brother Bell. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. Oh, I go other, other places, and I, I want to I say this because this is going to be on video, and it's probably being shown right now in the state that I'm talking about. But I go places, they say, well, you know, Brother Bell, this is California. This is California. And I say, yeah, and this is the Bible. <laughs> and the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. People, we should stand out from the world. Well, let's go on. Praise the Lord, brother. I'll do that. 
<laughs> she noticed his cupbearers also. She noticed the ushers that put the water on the platform. And their apparel. Oh, man, this lady has got a problem. She needs to get into the spirit, Brother Bell. Yeah, and I'm tired of hearing that one, too. I'm tired of hearing that because usually that comes out of people that don't believe in discipline. They don't believe in order. Moving right along. <laughs> Somebody out there saying amen. <laughs> I, 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 I want to get off of this one point, but it is interesting, Pastor Wayne. It is interesting. But did you notice she notices apparel twice? <laughs> Nothing else twice. She notices apparel twice. <laughs> Moving right along. She knows the cupbearers and their apparel. Well, I just can't get off of this. I've got to say this because we're putting it on video and somebody needs to hear this. Show me in the Bible where it says a youth pastor's got to dress up like a teenager. And we wonder why our teenagers don't grow up. Because they got a teenager standing in front of them. And, 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 and the dumbest thing about all this, it, it's, it's a 30-year-old person dressed up like a teenager. And they think that our teenagers are dumb enough, gullible enough to believe that that's a teenager standing in front of them. <laughs> now, my girls are a lot smarter than that. And we wonder why our kids don't grow up. Thank you, the two parents that said amen. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. Well, y'all received that so well, I just, I'll touch another area. <laughs> I go to churches. I walk in. I see the pastor and his wife. He's got a nice suit on, a tie. You know, she's got a nice dress on. I look over at the band. I think, good night. They must hire those people. <laughs> they definitely can't. They're not members of this church because they don't even look like the church. They don't look like the pastor. They, they must not believe like the pastor believes. Because look how they're dressed. <laughs> you know it's true. And people see that. You ever have a song group come in? You ever have a song group come in and, and they're all dressed alike? You know, if, if you know, like everybody might have some red on. The girls have red on you, and the men have red ties, and, and you know they all have the same jackets on. I mean, it really speaks real loud, doesn't it? You say, "Well, man, boy, look at the unity they have," and it helps them. Helps them to even sing better. Isn't that true? Isn't that true, brother Ron? Just shake your head. Go oh, yes. <laughs> well, let's get off this. Let's go on. Praise the Lord, brother Bell. But it's true. <laughs> you know it's true. Yes. Moving right along. First time visitor. I'm just noticing what she notices. And the accent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. 85% of communication is done through body expression. Did you know that? 85% of communication is done through body expression. 
The way your pastor approaches the podium, you know if he's prepared or not. You know if he's really excited about the message that God has for him to, to deliver before he even says anything, just by the way he carries himself. Some pastors. Praise the Lord. I've got an exciting word for you today. You know, and like I really want to hear it. <laughs> and not just picking on pastors, but, but, but you department heads. You know, when you come to church, you know, I know you're going through things. I know things might not be working out just exactly the way you think they ought to be working out. But when you show up to church, you need to throw your shoulders back. You need to hold your head up high. And you need to put a smile on your face. And come walking into your church and come walking into your department. And, and do it in faith. Because your people are watching you. And if you're down, don't expect them to get up. If you're down, then they're going to be down. The way, let's talk about offerings. You know, ushers affect offerings. Do you know that? I often tell pastors in my, in my training seminars on ushering, you know, I train ushers and I tell them, I say, listen, listen, people, you that are picking up the offerings, you have a vital part in that offering. If the offerings are down in your church, one of the reasons is probably because of the ushers. The way they walk, the way they carry themselves, the look, the expression they have on their face affects people. Yes. You know, a lot of churches, look at it this way. A lot of churches, you know, every church says God loves a cheerful giver. You know, some places they clap their hands, you know. But all churches, all, all ministers, when I hear them take out my offering. Now remember people, God loves a cheerful giver. That also means a hilarious giver. Let's put a smile on your face. And then the ushers come down the aisle. <laughs> and you think good night the casket must be right behind him <laughs> I wouldn't put anything in the bucket I'm probably going to take it out back and bury it somewhere <laughs> it's true it's true people I've had people tell me I've had some of you tell me one person told me said brother Bell, I was getting ready to write the offering in the church in, in the church there my offering and I looked at one of our ushers and I said to myself honey if you don't want it, I've got bills to pay. <laughs> that usher was telling people, I don't want your offering. I don't want your tithe. I've seen it. Maybe you haven't seen it. I watch ushers. I watch them. They'll, they'll come down the aisle. They're, they're, they're saying it as loud as they can without opening their mouth. I don't think it's time to take an offering. I don't know why we're taking another one. And you can see it on their faces. And we wonder why people don't drop anything in the buckets. Look at your neighbor and say, this is really good. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor and say, I sure hope the people that are watching the video really get this. <laughs> in his accent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. And there was no more spirit in her. Now she did not die. She did not die. Another translation said she was breathless, people. She walks into this place. She sees the wisdom of Solomon. The house that he built. The meat of the table. The sitting of his servants. The attendance of his ministers. Their apparel. The cupbearers in their apparel. 
the way he carried himself up into the house of the Lord? She was breathless. Now I want to insert something here. Okay? And I'll explain to you why I'm inserting this. I believe she might have had a thought right at that moment. The reason I say this is because I've heard this comment so many other times from people that have walked in these same steps, have been breathless when they've gone to a church. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she thought, you know, it's like stepping into another world. She was breathless. When was the last time somebody left your church? Breathless. She said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and my what? Eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedeth the fame that I heard. You mean there was something else that affected her? Yes, there was. There was something else than just the practical of that place. A lot of times, you know, people say, you know, Brother Bell, you know, you, you're just practical. Tell you the truth, Brother Bell, you're too practical. Tell you the truth, Brother Bell, you are really picky. <laughs> there's no spiritual in you. Yes, there's spiritual in me. Look at this. Look what affected her also, the other half. She says, happy are thy men. And happy are thee, thy, thy servants which stand continually before thee that hear thy wisdom. Everybody was happy. Everywhere she went, everybody was happy. Typical church. Typical church. Uh, they've never had a Buddy Bell seminar. They don't know anything about the ministry of helps. The attitude in this typical church is pastor makes it or breaks it, you know. Uh, they have greeters. The reason they have greeters is because pastor went to some seminar and they said you got to have greeters in the church, you know. So they have people standing at the door. So when, when, when visitors come to this church, uh, new people come to this church, new family walks into this church, you know, they shake their hands. Well, you know, praise the Lord. Glad to see somebody showed up. You must be visitors. <laughs> You're the first ones here. <laughs> oh, we never start on time. <laughs> <laughs> nursery? Oh, I don't know where the nursery's at. Find somebody's got a baby and follow them. <laughs> I put in my time. <laughs> Nothing against babies now. <laughs> now, this is what a lot of people got to go through. This is what a lot of people got to go through before they ever see, ever hear the pastor of the church. Okay? So they come on down the hall. And they come to the nursery. And the nursery worker comes out finds out they're new. Oh, you're new. Well... We need to get something straight if you decide to come back to our church and use our nursery again. <laughs> Since you do have a baby, are you planning to have any more? <laughs> we don't have a very large nursery. <laughs> now, we've got some things written up here about our nursery. We, we'd like for you to read this, and we'd like for you to sign it so that we will know that you have read this and that you do understand what will be expected out of you if you decide to come back to our church and use our nursery again. Do you understand? <laughs> And oh, yes, let me, let me, let me share something else. We, we don't have a large budget here in our nursery. You know, anybody else, that, you know, here in the church that wants something for their department, they just go prancing down to the pastor. You know, he just writes them out a check for whatever they want. But not us. No, 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 not us. We got to believe God for everything we have down here. What I'm talking about is we don't have a large extra supply of, of clean diapers. So if your baby uses a lot of diapers, would you bring some extra diapers? Do you understand? 
Oh, no, yes, let's get one more thing straight. When the service is over, would you immediately come and pick up your child? We'd like to go home, too. Do you understand? Now, this is what a lot of people got to go through before they ever see, ever hear the pastor of the church. I'm not making these things up. So they come on down the hall. And they come to children's church. And the children worker comes out and finds out they're new. Oh, you're new. Well, Mom and Dad, you know, uh, let me explain some things that go on back here in our uh, children's ministry. Uh, we deal with some things back here that uh, uh, some churches and even some Mom and Dads don't like to deal with. And, and what I'm talking about, Mom and Dad, is we cast out devils. <laughs> and if your little boy's got a devil, we will cast it out of him. Do you understand? We don't put up with the devil in this church. Do you understand, Mom and Dad? You know, some parents don't like to deal with that, but we do. Do you understand? If your little boy's got a devil, we will cast it out of him. Do you understand? That is what a lot of people got to go through before they ever see you, ever hear the pastor of the church. So they come on down the hall and they walk into the sanctuary. As soon as they walk in the sanctuary, they notice all these men standing on the back wall. And they're not moving for nobody. You know, it amazes me for six days and six nights. That back wall stands by itself. But come the seventh day, come the seventh day, it takes all the ushers, all the elders, all the deacons, and they're not moving for nobody. Yeah, just, just go right over there. Just sit right over there. That chair right over there. Just move right over there. Just sit right now right over there. telling you the truth. And so they come in and they sit down. Now they sit in the back. Now why do they sit in the back? Well, because they figure that all the people of the church, the membership, sits up front. <laughs> yeah, they find out that's not true. <laughs> By the looks they get from everybody that comes walking in. Why? Because they're sitting in their back pew. <laughs> then the worship leader comes out. Worship person comes out. <laughs> churches change channels and say forget this is this what church is all about and this husband's sitting there and he looks at his wife and the wife's sitting there and she looks at her husband and they both say each other at the same time <laughs> want to wait till the preacher comes out <laughs> and they done made up their mind they're not coming back and you know and, and pastor could get up and preach one of the most anointed messages he's ever preached and I'm not a betting man but I'd almost lay odds that family wouldn't be back to that church why? What am I saying tonight? We're in this together, people. We need each other. 
But then you got the other church. I always want to tell the other side. You got the other church. You got New Creation Church in Longmont, Colorado. They've had a Buddy Bell seminar. <laughs> they know all about the ministry of health. They know that wherever they're at, Jesus is there with them. They know that it doesn't all rest upon Pastor Wayne's shoulders, but we're in this together. He doesn't make it or break it. We make it or break it. And when somebody walks into this church, the greeters are there at the door, and they grab their hands. They shake their hands. They hug them. They, they answer all the questions. They tell them where everything's at. you know. And the people walk away from the door going, oh, wow, man, God's at the doors. And they come on down the hall, and they walk into the nursery, and the nursery worker comes out, got a big smile on her face and she welcomes them and she says well mom and dad we want you to know that our nursery here is not just a babysitting service but it's a ministry and we're going to be ministering the love of Jesus to your little baby as our pastor is going to minister the love of Jesus to you and we've got some things written up here about our nursery that we would like for you to have and read so you'll know that we have people that are qualified that, that you know what's going to be happening back here if you're a little one and they walk away from the nursery going oh wow man God's in the nursery and they come on down the hall and they walk in the children's ministry and the children worker comes out and finds out they're new where well, you're new well mom and dad we just want to welcome you and mom and dad I, let me explain some things that go on back here in our children's ministry we do more than just teach the children how many animals went into the ark but we teach the word of God to our children as our pastor is going to teach the word of God to you and you're going to leave today a family that is totally suited with the armor of God and they walk out of children's ministry going oh wow man God's in children's church and they come on down the hall and they walk into the sanctuary and the ushers and the elders and the deacons have been loosed from the back wall. <laughs> the revelation has come that the back wall shall stand by itself on the seventh day. Can I have an amen? amen. And them ushers are like the disciples that day that went and got the blind man and said, be of good cheer, the master calls for thee. And they take that couple and they say, man, you're in the right place today. I can tell you're new here. I tell you, our pastor's been in the word. He's been in prayer. You got questions? You're going to get answers. I'm going to get you up real close so you can hear and see everything that God has for you today because this is your day. God brought you here. He's got a word for you today in our service. And they find them a good seat and they walk away and the people go, oh, wow, man, God's in the ushers. And then, and then the worship leader comes out. They've already been with the sound person. They've already had a sound check. The mic's already turned up. And they come up and they grab that mic and they take off. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. And this husband and wife is sitting there. And the husband begins to shake. And the wife begins to shake. And they both look at each other. And they both say to each other at the same time, What do you think's going to happen when the preacher comes out? <laughs> And you know what, Pastor Wayne, I'm not saying you have one of these, okay? Or any pastor that's, that's watching this, this video. But you know, you could pull out old Sermon 9 that doesn't have an ounce of anointing on it. Not that you have one. <laughs> but you could pull out old Sermon 9 that doesn't have an ounce of anointing on it. And I'm not a betting man, but I'd almost lay odds that family be back to your church. Why? Listen to me, people, because we're in this together. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Reverend Buddy Bell on winning first-time visitors. If you would like more information on the Ministry of Helps and materials that are available, write to Ministry of Helps International, Post Office Box 27366, Tulsa, Oklahoma 74149. Or you may call us at area code 918-245-5768.